0: Today we have with us the CEO of New Mexico Health Connections, Martin Hickey, who is also one of the co-chairs of the, uh, of the conference. Uh, so, Dr. Hickey, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. If you wouldn't mind, please uh, start by giving our audience a brief self-introduction on your background and your role as the CEO of New Mexico Health Connections.
1: Sure. I'm happy to do that. Uh, I'm a physician, a general internist. And after finishing uh, my training in general internal medicine, started with the Indian Health Service out on the Navajo Reservation, where, as my peers say, I was slowly but surely seduced into the dark side of the force, that is administration. And after uh, seven years out there, came to New Mexico and worked at the University of New Mexico in the VA, and this was back in the beginning, of managed care and uh, contracting around that, and um, at the university I ended up uh, negotiating all the managed care contracts in the early 90s and also was uh, medical director of the faculty practice. From there I moved over to Lovelace Health Systems, uh, which in the 90s was a fully integrated uh, multi-specialty based uh, health system here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, with about 300 physicians' health plan and a 200-bed hospital. Um, In 2002, that was sold, and I moved into other various roles, uh, most recently being a consultant uh, managing director with Navigant Healthcare, looking at uh, ACOs, uh, patient-centered medical homes, and setting up uh, commercial uh, accountable care organizations, with different organizations around the country and then I got a call from the group who came together here in New Mexico that applied for the loan grant from CMS to start a brand new not-for-profit health plan called New Mexico Health Connections and I uh, accepted the position uh, with a little bit of risk because the Supreme Court hadn't weighed in at that point. Uh, but started on April 2nd, uh, trying to get the computers to work and the usual stuff. Uh, literally building a health plan from the ground up, myself and one other person who was the CFO at the time. And today I'm happy to say that uh, uh, nine months later, uh, we've just about got everything we need uh, in place and we'll be ready to go October 1 of 13 when we start selling on the exchange. And uh, do that we've got about 22 people from lots of different areas and uh, it's been a lot of fun
0: well thank you Uh, I know you're going to be presenting a session at the physician strategy summit on win-win aligning the New Mexico co-op health plan with primary care so I was wondering if you could briefly explain how the new co-op not-for-profit health plans for uninsured individuals and small businesses are intended to function as a byproduct of the Affordable Care Act because a lot of people don't really understand that.
1: Right, and a lot of people uh, further confuse the co-ops with the exchange, and, and I'll make that distinction as I as I go through that. Um, part of the Accountable Care Act uh, set up uh, exchanges. Uh, thus far, 18 states have agreed to do it on their own with federal assistance, and the rest are either indetermined or saying no, they'll take the federal exchange, but the exchange is really a travelocity or probably a better description for those who know it, a kayak of healthcare where uh, individuals and families uh, who are between 138% of the poverty level, uh, below that should theoretically, at least in the states that accept it, be covered by Medicaid, so between 138 and 400% of the Uh, federal poverty level, uh, individuals and their families uh, will qualify for subsidies or what are called tax credits, but in fact they're subsidies, Uh, the subsidy declining as one income, one's income increases and um, to help them uh, buy a basic level of health insurance, uh, what they're calling uh, the silver plan on the exchange. And an individual will be able to go in and compare uh, the same set of benefits uh, between health plans and maybe additions to some of those benefits. And then we'll be able to see what the cost is, just like uh, going into uh, orbits or what have you and looking for uh, a flight uh, from L.A. to New York based on price, uh, schedule, you probably pay a little more and what have you. But they're going for that same type of simplicity and uh, all current commercial health plans are eligible to become what are called qualified health plans on the exchange to sell to this segment of the population. Um, There are potentially uh, 80 million people nationally that would uh, qualify for the exchange under the current circumstances. Here in New Mexico, a state of about 2 million, there are about 250,000 people who fit into that category between 138 and 400% of the poverty level. Not only will we sell to individuals, we also sell to small businesses uh, under 100 uh, through what's called the SHOP program. Uh, SHOP stands for Small Business Health uh, Opportunity, whatever. Um, where a business, if they insure at a certain level and a certain number of people, um, will be able to get a tax credit from the government for the money they, they spend on health care. So we'll be selling both to small businesses and to individuals. Now, the uh, Accountable Care Act also provided for these entities called co-ops. Uh, uh, they're really The co op stands for Consumer Oriented and Operated Plans. Um, They will be governed by members of the plan who are elected by fellow members and they will be not-for-profit. They will target most of their business at the uninsured uh, and small businesses under uh, 100, as I spoke of before. Uh, There are 24 co-ops in 24 different states. Um, Unfortunately, with the fiscal cliff, The additional funding to stretch that out to all 50 states uh, got lopped off as part of the bill and maybe in the next year or two they'll come back and and restore that at at this time. But that was part of the settlement. Anyway, uh, so we are really organized and we are quite different here in New Mexico um, as one of the 24 co-ops. And each state is doing something a little bit different. So you can also kind of think of us as an experiment in uh, an approach to healthcare. care. Uh, in theory, we should be cheaper because we're not for profit and also because none of us are owned by any outside entity. So we don't have shareholders like United. Uh, uh, we don't have uh, uh, corporate headquarters like Blue Cross in Chicago. Um, We're not affiliated with a hospital which, through manipulating their bed day rates to their health plan and so forth, um, can siphon off a lot of the profit from the health plan and put it into the hospital, vice versa. Um, We're just us, uh, plain and simple. So in order to uh, capitalize on that activity, uh, we have focused on primary care and and patient-centered care. Now, as I originally said, I have a lot of experience around patient-centered medical homes, but um, when you've seen one, you've seen one. But the concept is really putting the patient at the center uh, with his or her own individual health issues, risks, uh, predictive modeling to determine those risks, and then working with a, I call them a primary care quarterback here in New Mexico, we've got a lot of advanced practice nurses out in the rural areas who act as primary care and have pretty broad authority under state law, as well as uh, primary care physicians. And in working with those individuals to identify the risk and intercede, particularly in those that uh, uh, 2.5% of the population that spends 50% of the healthcare dollar on a commercial basis, to actually uh, focus in on those individuals, work with teams of care management, uh, community health workers, uh, as well as the primary care physicians to help people uh, with their care at home, making sure they get their pills, uh, avoiding unnecessary hospitalizations, trips to the emergency room, and so forth. And it's really through that primary care focus that uh, we know I works uh, in the Geisinger and uh, the Kaiser and many other types of models around the country, when you really provide good care and coordination through the primary care entry point, people are healthier, therefore there are fewer hospitalizations, fewer visits to the emergency rooms, and there's less cost. And we believe that that uh, value proposition, which again we've seen operate around the country, it's not hospital-centric, really centric uh, really focuses on the primary care it is successful in actually bringing down health care costs and that's how we hope to provide value to both individuals and small businesses uh, at getting health at a lower cost over time that's kind of the the co-op and then as I said before that uh, the exchange
0: I understand and it's a very detailed explanation because there's a lot of new information here uh, which inspires another question uh, how do you determine which primary care groups that you establish these partnerships with, and um, uh, could you explain a little bit about uh, medical loss ratio savings and how that ties into the risk management?
1: Sure, sure, because that, that's really uh, uh, central to all this. Um, we are working particularly uh, with federally qualified health centers. Uh, those are... Uh, primary care-based clinics, uh, various organizations. Uh, They don't have hospitals. They don't have specialists. Uh, They're there uh, essentially and originally to provide a safety net for people who had nowhere else to get care. They are federally supported. Um, They get, uh, when they care for Medicaid patients, they get a, a special additional rate. Uh, which is how they're able to make it financially. Uh, but when we looked around the state, we found that almost all the primary care physicians who were in private practice have been bought up, and they've been bought up by hospital systems. And, of course, hospital systems, I'm not criticizing them. This is just what they do. They want more volume and more procedures. And uh, But they've got to have an entry point, a vacuuming in point, and that's... Uh, Primary care, so we found the federally qualified health center physicians number one to have a, a matched value set about really caring for the the uninsured and doing good primary care with them um, and number two uh, that's where a lot of our patients are uh, the The people who live between one hundred and thirty eight and four hundred percent of the poverty level get their care at those at those organizations because they can't afford health insurance or their employers don't buy it for them so that they are getting it through these safety net clinics. So we'll be working particularly uh, with them. Now, when you get into the medical loss ratio, um, we are by law required to spend 80% of our premium dollars. So for $1, 80 cents has to go to direct medical care. Um, We know from studying other organizations that if If you can get that medical loss ratio, uh, kind of an unfortunate term but it's in the industry, um, under 80%, um, our direct goal is to share those savings back with the primary care and federally qualified health centers in particular. Now there there are some other uh, PHOs in some of the smaller areas of the state such as up in Taos that's not a federally qualified health center, but doctors who come together with their hospital, essentially forming an accountable care organization, will be contracting with them. But it's the same kind of concept as in the ACO. Uh, if we can, if we can save money against what are the uh, predicted costs of the population, um, we will return that money to the primary cares and to the infrastructure um, of those primary care clinics, and also. Very importantly, because this gets overlooked a lot of the time, their behavioral health uh, uh, colleagues as well. Uh, behavioral health uh, uh, patients often are the most expensive and complex. Um, there's just not a lot of it here in New Mexico, and we certainly want to make it more financially attractive, particularly in the rural areas. So we'll be taking those savings, essentially money that we get because we've kept people healthier. Um, if they 've got chronic diseases monitoring that and making sure they 're getting their meds, which helps keep them out of the hospital and For fifty thousand dollars that I spend on one community health worker uh in a in a small area with a clinic and embedding them there uh they 're known in the community, and people trust them in the community um they 're not necessarily health workers they're uh, high school educated but uh, generally have very outgoing personalities and, and can be taught uh, how to assist people in their home to help care for themselves and take whatever measures or medications they need to keep themselves in a stable state of health. Uh, one of those could cost about fifty a, employing one of those could cost about fifty thousand dollars. but if that individual can stop uh, an unnecessary uh hospitalizations because people broke down and didn't have the meds or whatever and ended up in the hospital, and the hospitalization's about fifty thousand dollars. Well, you do the math you know that's a fifty thousand dollar investment for a five million dollar return and so um we'll be working with the the primary care to help people be in a better state of health, and we won't have to spend that. Uh, unnecessary money on the hospitals. Now, the hospitals say, well, hey, what about me? Well, under the, afford, under the uh, Affordable Care Act, uh, as I said, here in New Mexico, 250000 there are going to be lots of new people who have insurance. So hospitals that have been looking at a lot of bad debt in the past are going to have an insurance source to pay for those individuals who, when they did get hospitalized, they, they weren't getting money. So it's really kind of a win-win-win a situation all the way around but again it's really based on focusing on the individual his or her risk stabilizing them through a primary care team uh keeping them out of unnecessary uh, avoidable care and the best thing of all the patients and the members are in a healthier state than they would have been otherwise
0: well thank you that's a great explanation i just have one more question at this point um Mm -hmm. what would you anticipate might be the biggest challenges uh, going forward in maintaining a successful co-op uh, program
1: well there there are a number of challenges the first one is are people going to sign up for insurance uh, in the first year there's a excuse me <clears throat> a 95 dollars penalty for not uh, being insured by the federal government um, which they're not likely to collect anyway now that does go up to almost 400 the next year as it is 400 for a family, but the, I think one of the main challenges will people really uh, be persuaded that it's worth paying whatever they're going to have to pay for in insurance? Um, that will lead to the kind of the second risk: that people most likely to pay are those who are sick and going to need a lot of services, which of course is going to be expensive to an insurance company. Now, I, I didn't go into it because it's very complicated, but there is a Nationalized methodology that applies to each state that uh, covers reinsurance and what we call risk corridors protections and also risk adjust the patient much as Medicare Advantage does today, so that if they have a lot of complex uh, disease, um, uh, we will get a higher subsidies for those individuals to account for their likely higher expense but Having all those risk uh, methodologies uh, work appropriately uh, because they'll be retrospective in the first few years um, is another risk, adverse selection is a risk, and then of course um, there there will always be competition. And All of us uh, who are in the insurance uh, business currently are looking at this population. Don't have a lot of experience with them. It's not necessarily a Medicaid population. Um, And we just, you know, none of us know for sure. We're all making assumptions on just how much demand there is and how it gets balanced out and how it gets balanced out within a state, one health plan uh, to another. And then probably the last piece is just. each state uh in order to get an exchange up and running, does have to pass legislation, whether they join the federal exchange or have their own state exchange. It does require legislation, and there certainly you know is potential for a pushback on that and and so politics enters the realm as as well and um uh so that that that's it to uh begin with but what balances uh, those risks, particularly for those of us who are working on it here. Um, huge demand, particularly interestingly from uh, small businesses and medium-sized businesses who we also can insure and we can insure off the exchange, um, are really looking forward to us because they like the model of not-for-profit. They like the model of a member-driven uh, uh, organization and, and elected board. Uh, They like the model of, wow, you know, think of it, getting away from an acute illness system, intervention system, to a system that really focuses on improving health status, no no matter what one's health status is at the given time uh, that they enter the uh, insurance. And so uh, the ability to really focus on having people lead a healthier life, uh, getting it to work, Uh, getting the interest that we are getting from employers all over the state as as well as individuals um, does balance out and and somehow some way uh, all this risk uh, will balance out in the long run against the federal government. But fortunately the co-ops are all very well funded for both their startup and their reserves uh, to uh, be able to kind of go through those uh, first couple of shaky years.
0: Well, it sounds like it's going to be an exciting and interesting next few years for you, and uh, we're going to be watching closely as well to see how all of this shakes out. Uh, We've been speaking with Dr. Martin Hickey, CEO of New Mexico Health Connections. Dr. Hickey is one of the co-chairs for the Physician Strategy Summit in Orlando, Florida on February 24th through the 26th, sponsored by the Forum for Healthcare Strategists, and Dr. Hickey will be speaking at the conference on Win-Win Aligning the New Mexico Co-op Health Plan with Primary Care. Dr. Hickey, thanks so much for your time.
1: Uh, Very happy to do it and uh, look forward to uh, anyone who hears this and wants to come to the conference. Uh, I was only able to kind of barely touch on a number of the issues that we'll be going into during that time, Uh, but we'll get into some of the technicalities of the exchange and particularly how exchanges can work for primary care uh, and systems uh, that, that have a strong primary care base.